You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Coronavirus, day 20, 40, I don't know. Things are unraveling quickly here in self-isolation. I'm at my wit's end. I haven't seen Dan or the Danettes in so long that I'm now making pancakes shaped like their head and decorating their facial features using fruit. I even was contemplating the unthinkable. A virtual happy hour with Chris Mannix. Oh my God, did he just say that? Don't have her leave me again. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Man Cave, this is Dan Patrick. Uh, It's great to be back. Hope you missed us. We missed you, and the boys are here, ready to go. Paulie is about 15 feet in front of me. The other Danettes are at their homes. We got some guys. The uh, big German is running the TV portion of this. Dylan is running graphics. We got Alan, our IT guy. We got Marvin, and we got Rob, the intern. That's it. Made sure that uh, we're at a minimum here, but still able to give you maximum effort. It was uh, a good time off to be able to sort of reconnect with our families, make sure everybody is okay. I've got kids all over the globe. I got a son in Singapore. I got a daughter in L.A. who went out for a wedding, and I told her to stay and not come back to New York. Another daughter at home with me, another daughter in uh, Vermont at law school. So I understand it's a chaotic time and just trying to make sure everybody is safe. But uh, it was good to spend a couple of days away. And then all of a sudden I went, oh, I got to get back to work. Got to get back. I'm tired of staring at this dog and this dog staring back at me because I went up to Vermont and I stayed eight days with a dog. (laughs) And I have a dog who is like a cat. He does not care about you. He does not run to you when he sees you. He doesn't lick you. He He may get up. He may raise an eyebrow. That's it. I had him for eight days, and that was my companion there. I thought it was best with uh, my compromised immune system to head for the hills, and I didn't see anybody except truckers out on the road. And thank God they're doing what they're doing. Uh, A lot of people who uh, are working to help this be normal, as uh, close to normal as possible. But uh, truck drivers, that's about all I saw. But, uh, But good to be back. Good to see the Danettes. We stayed in touch. Uh, over the last uh, seven or eight days, but uh, ready to go today. Uh, Meet Friday, the Meet Madness songs. You guys, you voted. You stepped up. Over 300,000 voted, and we've moved on to the Mesquite 16. We'll run down the brackets, and voting is officially open, according to Mario, who is working from home. Tyler, the moderator, is handling the uh, chat row, the chat room, if you'd like to join us, and uh, good to hear from you guys again 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow, as we always do every Monday, best and worst of the weekend. Coming up, you'll hear from Tony Baselli, Hall of Fame finalist the last couple of years. He thought he was going to die. He uh, came down with coronavirus, and he's just starting his road to recovery, and Tony will join us coming up. Uh, I text back and forth with him over the weekend, and he seems to be doing a whole lot better We would have had the Masters coming up this week. We would have had the title game, college basketball, coming up tonight. We would have been ending the NBA regular season, and we would have the first week in baseball. Yep, you could make a case this is the best time of the year sports-wise. And sometimes we overinflate the importance of sports. You know, after all, they're just games. But when it comes to the coronavirus, 
sports seems to be playing a vital role. And for many people, the Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert testing positive, you know, that got a lot of people's attention. You know, getting pulled from the court before a game, that made the virus real. And it's hard to believe that was almost a month ago. It feels like a lifetime. And this weekend, the topic of sports returning came up when the president did a conference call with all the major commissioners. And things are changing day to day, almost hour to hour. And I don't know when we get sports back. I hate when we put these deadlines or time frames for this because we don't know. And it kind of creates this false hope. And there's no reason to be rushing back for this. I'd love a deadline for the coronavirus. I don't need a deadline. I don't need a time frame on when the NFL season will start. Will it start? Uh, baseball, NBA. I got to get back to normalcy, but normalcy starts not with sports, but with the coronavirus. And look, we miss sports. We want them back. More importantly, we need to be safe when they come back. So you can't rush this as much as we want to, as much as we feel like we need to, even the NFL draft. I, I think that what's going to happen over the next two weeks, certainly in the New York area, will put the draft in jeopardy of going off on time in late April. I really believe so. And I, we'll talk to Albert Breer, a Sports Illustrator, covers the NFL, because I heard from a source over the weekend who said there will be, and there already is internal pressure to you know, move this to postpone it, move it back a couple of weeks. Maybe then we got a better understanding of what's going on. And maybe you can help these teams do their job correctly. Here's some things that were brought up to me by a source. Now, I had two sources, one who is an NFL scout and one who is a former TV executive. And they talked about how can you do the draft if, you know, even the hosts are probably going to be at home. And then you're going to have... Your scouts, they're not going to be in the war room. And then you're going to have somebody who's going to be calling in the pick. Are you going to be able to talk to everybody? And are you going to have to extend the first round, the amount of time in between picks? I mean, these are all things that are on the table right now. They're discussing, from what I was told, a 10-game schedule, 12-game schedule, 14-game schedule, just in case this doesn't come off on time. But the draft... It's going to go off as scheduled April 23rd, 24th, 25th. And I think that there's going to be some real pressure here over the next seven to 10 days that maybe they postpone it. Put it back in the middle of May. And, you know, if, if you we have modern technology, but you still have to be able to try to figure this out. You almost have to have a rehearsal draft. And this is what I was told one team was going to do a rehearsal draft of, OK, Let's decide who we're taking. They do a mock draft. They get to where they are in the draft, and then they go, okay, everybody weigh in. Now we get the pick in. But I think you're going to see maybe a little extra time for the first round with these picks and maybe the subsequent rounds as well. But just some of the things that are being discussed about the draft and about the season itself. We'll come up with a poll question here. Stat of the day. we got a play of the day. There's a lot of things to get to, but we're glad that we can be a part of your life in whatever way that is. Great to be back. But, uh, Paulie, great to see you. Fritzy uh, McLovin and Seton, good to see you guys. Yeah, Paulie. Dan, I don't know if you noticed this, but did you notice that uh, the, the happy hour beer or tequila or rum or whatever you were having? I had a, All like, the above. Yeah. I started, you know, usually right after dinner, I'll have a cocktail, 6.15, 6.30. Then I noticed it was like 3.30 a couple of days. <laughs> it was like a 3.30 mid-afternoon drink. I got to the point where I'm I'm talking to the dog after a while. It's just me and the dog. Audibly? Like, yes. Like Wilson in the castaway? Yes. Yes. Cooper is my my volleyball. 
And I'm just staring at this dog. And once again, this dog does not care anything about me. He shows no love, no affection, no nothing. And uh, it's a Shiba Inu. And if anybody has one, it wasn't my pick. You know, it was my son's pick. And then I got the dog because he's not around. So I taken care of this guy. And he just stares at you. And all he wants is, what do you got for me? And it was around, it was 5.55 one day. And I went, I got to make it to 6 o'clock before I have a beer, right? I didn't. I cracked a heady <laughs> topper. Sure. Yeah. I was like, damn it, I'm doing it. And it, I thank God we came back to work because I was, like, it was starting to get to the point where it would be like 5 o'clock and I'd be like, oh, maybe I need to have a beer. Okay. Yeah, see. And it's almost like my dogs look at me like, what are you doing home? <laughs> like, why aren't you going to work? Like, get out of here. Like, I'm disrupting their day. <laughs> Quality time that we get to spend with our family. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, uh, I went snowshoeing with my dog. Now, he's the kind of dog that when he gets to the point where he doesn't want to do it anymore, he just lies down. <laughs> so I went snowshoeing with him. I had to carry him. Oh, no. Yeah. Yes. Like in a backpack, like a papoose? Like, like no, what? I, I did carry him like a little baby. And I, I had a great time. I, I, <laughs> I had a great time. I had nothing to, now I was watching a lot of TV. And, you know, my wife gave me, you know, a couple of books to read, Harry Potter books. I didn't open those. Ugh. No, I didn't. Uh, but I did watch a lot of TV and uh, TV that I didn't think I would watch. You know, all of a sudden you get these lists. They'll say uh, best, you know, top 30 movies on Netflix now. And I'd go through the list. And then I tried a couple of them, like Snowpiercer and Sin City. I was like three minutes in. I go, nope, I can't do it. Can't do it. Finished Ozark. Thank God for Ozark. Season yeah. three? Season three. Bosch is coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. Season six, I think, of Bosch. But, oh, my goodness. And, you know, I would, my wife said, look, be up there with the dog so you're by yourself. So, you know, nothing happens to you. Let's cut down on the odds of uh, you running into somebody there. And believe me, I didn't run into anybody there. Yes, McLovin. So in a, during a pandemic, you decided to watch Snowpiercer where there's a sickness that kills everyone <laughs> yes. and they have to live on a train to yes. survive? Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was called a pandemic, but yes, they were... They were people on a train there quarantined. Yes, Eden. We watched uh, Contagion. Oh, great. Which is, <laughs> Another cheery which, one. Almost exactly. All of the language that they're using now is exactly in that movie. That's from 2011. They're like, hey, stop touching your face and wash your hands. Yeah. Good stuff there. Uh, McLevin, you got a poll question for me? By the way, this program brought to you by the great folks at LegalZoom. They made it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today with the right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. Yes, McLean. Okay, we want to start with, should the NFL hold the draft on April 23rd? Mm. Now, do we give other options of what, what they should do or when they should do it? Well, look, if I'm an NFL fan, I want to have the draft, and I'm okay with having it in April. I mean, they're banking on the fact that we're desperate to have, you know, some kind of live sporting event. You know, I would want it then. I'm just telling you what I've heard that I think if the numbers continue to rise with those who can track this, those who die, I just, from what I'm told, there's so much internal pressure because of how this is going to look and feel. You know, the commissioner is probably going to do the draft from his home. I, I can't imagine he's going into New York City. Or would he drive up to, 
I think he lives an hour and a half, two hours away from ESPN. Would he go up there on campus? Like they're, they don't know how they can present this from what I'm told. They don't know that. And I think that's where give, give everybody a little bit of time. We'll wait for it. We'll consume it. We'll be okay with that. But let's see what happens here in seven days. And then if we feel like, okay, we can do it, these teams, I'm worried about, you know, somebody hacking into, you know, a Zoom call and, and saying, uh, and the Lions take, you know, you, you don't know with this. And that would be my concern. Can, you, can everybody do their job? And that's the biggest concern I have other than what this is going to look like, feel like, in, you know, in three weeks. Yeah, Paul. But do you think the NFL two weeks ago thought to themselves, we want to be first before anyone else jumps back into the fray, and we're not a physical sport? Well, it feels like they're full speed ahead. And the president came out and said, you know, the NFL season, you know, should be starting on time. We don't know that. We don't know when anything is starting. Three weeks ago, I told you, I think I would be really surprised if the NBA plays this season. And I stand by that. I don't think we play an NBA season. Baseball, when it comes back, how it comes back. I'm not worried about those. I need them. It's part of my job. It is my job. But I also got to look at this big picture and say, are people going to want to go out? Are they going to want to go to a ball game? Like you might say, God, I can't wait to. You're in a one-two, but can you? Are you comfortable there? That's the big concerns. I, those are my concerns. We keep saying, hey, college football is going to start on time. I don't know that. Nobody knows that. NFL starting. Well, the NFL, it starts. Of course, it's the NFL. I don't know that. Is there going to be an NBA postseason? Is there going to, when does baseball start? Baseball is looking at a 100-game schedule right now. Remember they were trying to cram all this in, and Scott Boris said, let's play baseball till Christmas. And I went, no. No, no, no. It's selfish to think that way. 100 games if you get it, great. NBA postseason, we get it, wonderful. There's bigger pictures here. And we keep trying to set these deadlines or timetables, and we're going down a dangerous path here. Because you don't want to say, hey, why aren't you starting? Hey, commissioner said, the president said, no, don't put any more pressure on these these leagues, these commissioners, you know, fans are going to be expecting this. Hey, why aren't you guys playing? Now they're talking about, hey, can you have basketball in Atlantic City in New Jersey? As if they're somehow, oh, they're safe. And then you saw the NBA and ESPN apparently listening to the program and decided to uh, take us up on the offer that Paulie had. Why don't we have you know, a virtual horse game where you play on your home course. And I went, I, I, I sent a note to Mark Cuban last night. I said, sounds familiar. Cause we had him on and I, you know, I opposed the idea that Paulie gave us and that's what they're going to do. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'll watch that. That'll be enjoyable. You know, no need to rush for anything else. I'll watch a game of horse, Steph Curry, Zion Williams. Now is Zion allowed to dunk? Because if that's the case, <laughs> that might hurt Steph Curry if he goes, he matches up with him. Yeah, Paul. There might be two tiers of horse, like a non-dunking horse and a dunking mm. horse. Mm. Okay. 
Uh, what else do you have, McLovin? I mean, we can do the time frame, but I, I think people are going to say, yeah. I mean, I would say, yeah, I want it. I just don't think the NFL – I think the NFL is rushing to hold the draft and seem like everything is fine. Today would be the first day, I think, of off-season workouts. You know, it's just – it's a different time, and we have to be sympathetic to what is really going on. That is life and de- – literally life and death, not – Man, I'm dying here not watching football. Yeah, McLevin. You know, selfishly, I almost want it a week or two later because there's going to be no sports going on and there's been no hype. Like, we haven't had our normal four weeks of mock drafts because people haven't been focused <laughs> on it. So now, why not Why not May 15th? I don't know, but that's what I, I would just say. Move it back a month. Yeah. Just move it back a month. That, that allows us to get a better idea of, you know, have a broader perspective, larger sample size on where we're going with this and allow these teams, just the, the scouting part of this, and, and I told you this a couple of weeks ago, there's no excuses for a team not to be ready to draft today. The technology around it, there is excuses, there is concern, and there should be. That's what I would be worried about just from the team side of this, the technical side of this, to be able to do this. Try to get a hold of people. If you want to have a trade, you know, you're trying to get a hold of a, a potential draft pick. Like you're communicating with your scouts, with your GM, whatever, your owner. Is everybody going to be in the a war room? How many can be in a war room? Some can, some can't. I can't imagine the Jets or the Giants being in their war room. But those are the questions that I have. But we'll talk to Albert Breer, the Monday morning quarterback, and uh, NBC Sports Boston. He'll join us coming up. Uh, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. Uh, Kobe, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan among those going in, Rudy Tomjanovich. And we'll rank the classes here because this is a pretty good class. Might be the best Hall of Fame class that we've ever had. But uh, we'll look at that. Uh, I got a top five here. Got a top five here. Well, don't do it. Don't do it. It's going so well. You don't, don't have to do this. Don't do this. You don't have to do this. Wait, I, I can tell by his face, Seton. <laughs> yeah, it's a little scrunchy. I know exactly what he's going to talk about right now. He's okay. grabbing his forehead. Okay, I got to take a break. <laughs> I got to take a break. Got to take a break. I can't talk about the ESPN greatest college. You want a beer? Player. It's a little too early. <laughs> like 918 East Coast time is a little too early there. Is it? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, when I'm doing my job, it is. Oh, that. right, right, right. Uh, you can watch on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show and listen on our great radio affiliates around the country and part of the Fox Sports Radio lineup. We're back after this with Tony Baselli, who certainly is going to get your attention with what he went through with this coronavirus, and he thought he was going to die. 19 after the hour, just getting started on this Monday, Dan and the Danettes and you here on The Dan Patrick Show. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What other poll questions uh, were you considering, McLovin? Okay, I don't know if this is appropriate, but I want to ask what things are you guys getting tired of? Because I have a couple. Okay. Number one, talking about the Tiger King documentary series. (laughs) I know where you stand on that. I have to admit, too, I'm getting a little tired of classic sports. Am I allowed to say that? I'm sick of, uh, I can't watch any more Kentucky uh, Final Four games. Okay. And then also, too, uh, watching athletes play video games. I'm a little sick of that, too. Are any of you guys sick of any of these things? 
I, I haven't gotten to the point where I'm watching Tiger King. I tried about 20 minutes and I said, no, I can't do it. And I don't watch other people play video games. Old sports, yeah, I, I don't have any interest in. I, the Kentucky Duke game, I loved because I think it's the greatest college basketball game I've ever seen. But if you're going to say, you know, Villanova's championship run, when they, they, you know, they won it at the buzzer, okay, let me watch the last two minutes. But I'm not interested in, you know, Louisville's run to a national title, not interested. Or, hey, how about a, I did watch, and just to hear Vince Scully's voice, I did watch Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers against the Giants opening day a couple of years ago, just to listen to Vin. Like, it, it put me in such tranquility, and I went, oh, this is good. And I a beautiful day in Los Angeles, and I went, this is pretty good. So I watched that, but other than that, now I'm, I'm there with you. I'm, I, I can't do Tiger King. Can't. I Ozark, yes. Fleabag, yes. But that's about it so far. What else do you have, McLovin? Well, I was going to say, I saw this amazing game from, I think it was 82, where this freshman in North Carolina hit a jump shot. Oh. Obviously, one of the greatest college players and shots <laughs> of all time. <sighs> okay. Is Tony Baselli with us? One minute. Okay. Oh. All right, ESPN did their college bracket, college basketball, all-time bracket, and Michael Jordan won, and I have a problem with that. A slight one. I've mentioned it a couple times. He's a really good college basketball player. He's not one of the top five college basketball players of all time. He's just not. So I'm trying to remain calm. Even when I saw this unfolding, I was going to text Jay Billis to yell at Jay Billis for some reason. I was going to text Reese Davis and yell at Reese Davis for some reason. And I decided, no, I'm not. I got other things to worry about. Yeah, Paulie. What do you think is the psychology for people voting for Michael Jordan? I just think that there is this, when you hear the name, he's got to be the best, unless it's baseball. He's Well, he's the best basketball player of all time. Okay, he he. When he got to the pros, he was the best college basketball, best pro basketball player of all time. Not the best college basketball player. Christian Leitner had a Patrick Ewing. See, I'm going to get started here, and then I'm going to ruin my day. Is Tony Baselli there? Yeah. Now we're going to take a break, and we'll talk coronavirus, so I can somehow settle down. <laughs> Good God! First of all, Tony, uh, let me give the full introduction. A guy who one day will be in the Hall of Fame, if I have any say in this, and uh, the former Jags offensive lineman, analyst for Thursday Night Football in Westwood One, joining us on the program. How are you feeling? Good, Dan. Before I talk about this corona, wasn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton both better than Michael Jordan yes. in college? Yes. Yeah, okay, I just want to make sure. I thought so, too. Thank you, Tony. Anyways, um, the, uh, I'm doing better every day and uh, getting my strength back. My lungs are still a little bit... Uh, um, shady in the sense of it, I can, I don't gas, I'm not gasping for air. I can breathe and everything, but, uh, I get tired quickly. So that's probably going to be the last thing that comes back. When did you realize something was wrong? Um, so, uh, probably March 17th, you know, the night of the 16th, but really the 17th, I, I, I started getting, uh, like I felt like a head cold and I honestly thought it was just some allergies. No big deal. Took my temperature just because of this COVID thing going on, making sure, you know, I didn't have a fever or anything. I didn't. Um, I woke up Wednesday morning and I felt pretty lousy and felt like the flu almost. 
and I took my temperature, had a fever, and then I started thinking, okay, this is interesting. And about an hour later, I got a phone call from a friend of mine saying, hey, last Thursday, um, we were around somebody who had who has tested positive since. And so I took a test, went to Mayo, my doc at Mayo, took a test and found out the next Friday, I think it was probably like the 18th or whatever, 19th of of uh, March that uh, I was positive. And, uh, and, then the, and then the kind of the journey began at that point. What did you do next? You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Dan, I didn't think much of it. Um, both my wife and I were positive because we were at the same event. Um, she felt fine. Um, I felt like I had the flu. And I said, you know, I'm 47, you know, I'm healthy. I have no underlying, you know, health conditions. I'll be fine. I figured by Sunday I'd be up and going. I actually talked to a buddy of mine who had been exposed as well and ended up not having any issues. And I, we said, let's, we'll, by Sunday we'll be able to, you know, hook up and, let's, you know, we'll get together uh, just at one of our houses. And, uh, and by Sunday night I was, you know, I thought I'd feel a little bit better, but then Come uh, that Monday night, Tuesday, the fall, you know, I really started going downhill fast and, and uh, ended up going to the hospital on that Wednesday. When did you realize when you were in the hospital that this is really serious? Not, I don't know if you felt yeah. it was life-threatening, but did you feel like it was? Yeah. Um, and so I woke up that Wednesday morning and knew that something was not right and, the, like, it was going bad because I was wheezing and I was having a harder time to catch my breath. And so I called the doc. He said, hey, go to the emergency room. And I'll be honest, when I went to the emergency room, um, I thought I was just going to get some fluids and some medicine, and I'd be back home. In fact, my daughter dropped me off, and I told her, I said, I'll call you to come pick me up when I'm done. And uh, I went in there, and they took x-rays of my chest, and the pulmonologist came in and said, hey, listen, we're putting you in the ICU. And I think at that point, I was like, Wait, wait a second, ICU? Yeah. And I said, I, actually, my response to him says, I don't want to go. And he says, well, you need to be on oxygen. You need to be watched very closely, and we need to get these drugs in you. And that's when it got, you know, real. Like, this is, you know, this could go either way. And the doctor basically said, like, we don't know where this is going to go. We're going to do our best. It wasn't like, you know, your typical doctor visit where he says, hey, we got this. Everything's going to be fine. You'll be okay. It was, we're going to see where this goes. We're going to give you drugs. We're going to do everything we can. We're going to get you on oxygen. And there were moments in the ICU when I'm laying there and I'm thinking, you know, is this it? You know, is this the way you go? And uh, it was it was uh, some scary moments because you're by yourself. Your family can't come see you. Um, the only people allowed in the room are the medical, uh, the healthcare workers who are amazing people that are coming in their all their protective outfits and everything else. But other than that, you're by yourself. So um, th- there were some moments where you question, and because you don't know which way it's going to go. Thankfully, day three in the ICU, um, I started heading in the right direction and got better pretty quick from that point on. And that loneliness, that isolation, and this is what I have a person who, uh, a friend who works in ER in a Houston hospital, and they said, you can just see the panic in the patients because they don't know and we don't know either. And you're just lone, you're, you're there with your thoughts there. And that can yeah, be, I, you know, that can, you know, you does damage to your psyche because then you're your own worst enemy. Yeah. And I think the two things that you said, one is you're by yourself and your mind starts running. And then two, these healthcare workers are amazing, but they're also honest. I mean, they don't sit there and say everything's fine. 
I mean, they came in and said, we're going to do everything we can, but we got to see where this goes. We just don't know yet. Yeah. And those things put together are really scary. And, I, and, and this is where, you know, I'm thankful for my faith. You know, you really, because uh, I, you have no, I didn't know where else to turn. I had nowhere else to turn. And, and you just pray, you hope, and you know, the other people out there who love you are praying for you. And, and that's where I tried to focus on because there was moments I could feel my mind starting to run away in the wrong direction. You feel the anxiety come in and, and you just, the way I thought it was knowing that my family was praying for me and that, you know, my faith in God. And, and you just at that point are believing and hoping for the best. And uh, that's all you can do. He's Tony Baselli, former Jags offensive lineman, five-time pro bowler and lead analyst Thursday night football in Westwood one. And then you start to think not to put thoughts in your mind, but you hear other uh, people who have been in this situation. They say, is this how I'm going to die? Like, am I, am I going to die right here? I'm going to be alone in a bed, and my daughter and my wife are not going to be around. Is this the way I go? No, you're not putting thoughts in my head because that thought went through my head multiple times playing in the ICU, and you, you, like you, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine it. I'm like, this can't be it. There's no way. Well, plus the football mentality in you is like oh, you fight. You just fight at that point. But were you in denial? At any point where Probably. you go, you know, hey, I'm Tony Baselli. This this doesn't hurt me. No, I wasn't. This doesn't hurt me because it, it it was hurting me, and I was down and out. But I just, I was just, you know, you just at that point, I was really trusting in my faith and in the medical workers, Dan. I'll be honest with you, that these doctors were the best. I mean, I was at a great hospital at Mayo. They were caring for me. The nurses were amazing. And I was just like, this is going to work. And you just have to believe because you, you talk, like, cause the other thought of it, the other side of that, and I, I thought not to go down that path is I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die here by myself. And the scary, the add to the scariness is you know that there's people down the hall that are dying, yeah. that are in the ICU with you that are dying. And you're laying there and just saying, I got to just keep fighting. I got to keep on believing and just hope that what the doctors are doing is going to work. I appreciate you telling this story because I'm sure when this first broke and somebody leaked that you had tested positive, you know, there's this invasion of privacy that you feel. But we, we need, unfortunately, we need faces and voices and names attached to this just so we get people's attention. But if you were going to do a PSA for this audience, just to let them know what this is and what to do, what would you say? Yeah, I'd say this is, it's real. This is not, you know, this, people aren't over-dramatizing this. This is a real, like, virus that will mess you up if you get it. Now, the odds are that if you're my age or younger or even a little bit older and you're healthy, that, yeah, the odds are you're going to be okay. And it'll be a minor cold or flu and you'll never even go to the hospital. But there's a chance you're going to have, like me, and a chance even you're going to have worse than me. And if you want to roll those, roll the dice on your own life, that's your business. But now is a time to think about other people because there are the elderly, there's people with underlying medical conditions, compromised immune systems that can't fight this. And we need to be thinking about everybody else right now. And it's difficult because people are losing jobs, and that is awful. And that's where we got to listen to these medical uh, healthcare uh, experts. And hopefully we can get through this over the next month. We can get to the other side and start getting, trying to get back to 
some normal life activity. But if we don't take this serious, it's not just you you got to worry about. I think we have to worry about our neighbors and the people around us. I think it's really a time we need to think of not just ourselves, but everyone else around us. How's your wife doing? She's great. She's way tougher than I am. She never even got a fever. <laughs> you know, she's, you know, she lost her taste and smell. That was her big thing. And uh, she was tired. And uh, she, you know, she, she looks at me like I'm soft because she, she just, she, she just, looked, she looked at the virus and just said, "Get out of here!" And uh, here I am in the ICU, big tough football player. So, uh, but that's a, that's the crazy thing, Dan. You don't know how it's going to affect you. You know, two people got out at the same place. We were together. Um, one, both 47, both healthy, no issues. She has it mild, comes through it, no issues. I'm gasping for air, having to go to the ICU. I mean, so you just don't know, and this is why we have to take it really serious, seriously until the healthcare experts start learning more about this and start figuring things out. And I'm worried about, and look, there's other things to worry about, but sports-wise, I'm worried about this draft. It feels like we're trying to shoehorn this into regularly scheduled programming, and let's continue to do this, where I don't know what the world's going to be like or our country is going to be like in seven days or ten days. Should we be holding the draft when we have it scheduled? Yeah, I I don't have the answer to that, Dan. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been paying much attention to sports. I'm just trying to get caught up right now. I think overall, I think what the NFL is trying to do is trying to plan for, like, we're going to play football in September. And I understand why, because you, I mean, at some point, I mean, we have to, you, you, I worry about this disease, but I also worry about the people out of work and the people that are trying to, you know, uh, provide for their families. And I think, all of us, we don't know what the future holds. And I think trying to keep things as normal as possible yeah. when we do the social distancing, I get that. But also at the same time, I think we have to be flexible because like you said, it could change quickly. And if it changes quickly and it goes the wrong direction, I think, and I hope leadership will make the right decision um, because we just don't know where this thing's going. We don't know what next week's going to be like. And we for sure don't know what's going to be like in uh, August and September. Once again, thank you for telling your story. I, I'm sure that it probably was difficult in the beginning to share that. But, uh, you know, these are the things that help get people aware and maybe save lives as well. Well, Dan, you're right. And I, I was always, you know, I didn't know when I was going to do this. And, and I was feeling so lousy. I wanted to wait. And you mentioned it got leaked, and uh, which was, I was really disappointed about because people I love found out about it without me telling them. And that bothered me. But I, uh, after the first time I did an interview, I had, a, I had my doctor at Mayo, who's overseeing me and making sure I get back to 100%. And she said, hey, listen, I really want to thank you. And I said, why? And she says, you don't know what it means to us as healthcare workers, someone telling people, and it's not us telling them, but it's you telling them really how serious this is because we want people to take it serious. And so at that point, I said, you know what? I'll talk as much as I can then if it's going to help um, healthcare workers is going to help people have awareness. And so we can get to the other side of this. It's a small thing, but it's the least I can try to do. Did you wear your Jags jersey to the hospital? <laughs> Did you look for special <laughs> treatment, Tony? Don't, don't make me laugh because I, I got to off and uh, it's hard to, I can't, I can't get my breath. Um, I did not. Okay. I, maybe I should have, okay. but uh, I'll tell you, the people at Mayo were amazing. And this is what blew me away. I mean, you in the midst of all this stuff that's going on, you're, you know, and you, you have conversations with God, like, where are you and what's going on? I don't get this. And, uh, but you see the love of God and people in these healthcare workers and what they do 
is amazing, Dan. Yeah. They come in knowing that this is a watching people die from a virus. And without hesitation, they came in and took care of me and everyone else up there. And this is my only contact to humanity of people. And they were amazing from the doctors, the PAs, the nurses, health techs coming in to take my blood. I mean, they were amazing people. And I cannot say what they mean to me and the courage they showed to help me get through this whole thing. Well, it's good to talk to you. And uh, we'll talk football the next time. Let's hope so. Let's hope we get back to some normal activities and we can talk sports here without worrying about this in the near future. Thank you, Tony. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Dan. That's Tony Baselli, former Jags All-Pro. Yeah, there's this mindset of certain professions where the firefighters run in when everybody's running out. You know, the police go to the crime. Uh, These hospital workers, they're there and they know they could come down with this, but their job is to treat you. Uh, powerful, powerful stuff. And I appreciate Tony sharing that. We'll take a break. We'll regroup here. We got our play of the day coming up next. Your phone calls, you're welcome on Monday. Best and worst of the weekend, like we always do. Back after this. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. God. The play, the play, play of the day. This is the play of the day. Check this out. Michigan will have to bring it. Oh, he in. walked. He walked in. The referee missed it. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he causes he too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't yes. have any. He got by with a walk, and Jimmy calls a technical. He, he calls a timeout. He doesn't realize that's Michigan's too many. And so it'll be a technical foul, North Carolina shooting, and the ball. It's courtesy of CBS, Jim Nance, 27 years ago yesterday, C-Webb, one of the bigger slip-ups in all the sports. North Carolina went on to win the title, 1993 national champion. Little men at work. I made a mistake, I believe, courtesy of Mario. (laughs) (laughs) Play of the day, brought to you by LegalZoom. C-Webb's a friend of the show, a good friend of the show. Uh, LegalZoom makes it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today with the right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. He actually got away with the travel there. Uh, Billy Packer was right when he said he got away with the walk and then came down and then called the timeout that they didn't have. That was 27 years ago yesterday. And that is our play of the day. Got a poll update for me, McLovin? Should the NFL hold the draft on April 23rd? 71% say yes. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I get it. I, I understand it. I just think it's going to change. What was it a week ago when we asked this, McLovin? Or, Paulie, do you have those numbers? It, it was over 85% because yeah. I remember McLovin saying it's a blowout. The NBA, the NFL should keep the draft. Yeah, I, I, I just think those numbers are probably going to go down here in the next 7 to 10 days. I, as other numbers rise, I think that percentage will go down because I think that there's a real concern inside the NFL. Uh and I'm only going by a source who is a scout who says, look, I know what it's like, you know, for some of these teams and guys that I speak to. We can do our jobs, but how is this going to look? Um, and also the timing of how long do you get in between picks? From what I was told, they may look at expanding that a little bit to give the teams a little bit more time because you're doing a draft in a different way than you've ever done. 
Yeah, McLovin. You've done a draft on TV. I feel like it's a huge challenge to pull this off in three weeks because they don't yeah. ha- do they have a final plan yet? No, because I think you're going to have ESPN and the NFL Network do a joint draft. They're going to cover the draft at, with two networks in one. And then I think you still have a draft on ABC as well. That's separate from that. I don't know how you have all of these bodies in all of these places because you're not going to have centrally located draft teams and where you, this is, this is who we Mel Kuyper in there, Todd McShay in there, Trey Wingo in there. They're not going to be in the same room. And I think that's just trying to do that. The technology part of this is going to be hard to pull off. It really is. You can vote on uh, the Mesquite Madness. So round one is over. Uh, just under 300,000 votes. Uh, two eight seeds knocked off number one seeds. Uh, Brandon in Florida did Broken Wings. He received the most votes of all the songs with 32,000 plus. But uh, we have the songs there for you to vote on. Uh, the Mesquite 16. And uh, voting is open now. Uh, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Best and worst of the weekend, Ted in Florida joins us to lead off. Hey, Ted. Hey, Dan. Uh, long-time listener, uh, many-time uh, caller. Uh, best and worst of the weekend, I got to binge-watch uh, Ozark. Uh, and also, Bosch starts uh, next Monday night. Yep. Uh, worst of the weekend, we lost too many good Americans to the coronavirus. And uh, one of them was uh, Tom Dempsey. He passed away uh, Saturday night. Of course, Tom was born... Uh, he had a field goal record of 63 yards, stood for uh, about 43 years, and was born with uh, no toes on his right foot or, or right fingers. So yeah. uh, he passed away Saturday night. Yeah, Tom Dempsey was, whenever you thought of how a game could end, you thought of Tom Dempsey because he kicks, they were playing the Lions, and I think it was 17-16, to 16, the Lions were up, and that's why he was kicking a 63-yard field goal. Because back then, it was rare when you were kicking 50-yard field goals. Really rare. But because there was only a couple of seconds left, it was the last play of the game, and Tom Dempsey had a club foot and went out there and kicked a 63-yard field goal. And he made it by a couple of yards, but he passed away over the weekend at the age of uh, 73. 63-yard field goal. Back then, they made only 23% of their attempts from 50 yards or more. So that's how rare it was. 17 field goals of 50 yards or more in 1970. And he kicked one 63 yards. All right, coming up. Best Hall of Fame basketball class of all time. We'll rank them next. Next. 